Welcome to the Militant Grind Podcast, where today's guest, Rachel Levine, brings a wealth of knowledge as a published author, professional speaker, and body love educator. Rachel's journey beginning in Northern California and leading her to Greenville, South Carolina, has been marked by her evolution from an ACE certified fitness instructor to a personal trainer and health coach. Her personal narrative chronicled in her book, The Donut Diaries, reveals her struggles with weight and dieting, providing a blueprint for a transformative wellness approach centered on nourishment, movement, and rest. Through her work, Rachel is dedicated to creating a nurturing environment for holistic health and self-acceptance, making her a perfect fit for our podcast focus on empowerment and personal growth. So, Rachel, how are you today? I'm doing well, Sherman. How are you? I'm doing a lot better, a lot better. It's good to have you on. You know, speaking of donuts, donuts are probably like, <laughs> are, donuts are my kryptonite, you know, like... <laughs> I don't care. I, I just, I, you know, I, I diet. Well, I don't diet, but I have a certain regimen and a lifestyle that I adhere to, but mm -hmm. I can never give up donuts. So it's interesting how you came up with the, with that title <laughs> for your book, you know? And so I want to talk about um, your background and like how you grew up, your family's, you know, way of life, how you guys ate and, you know, how was it in your household when it came to health? holistic healing and diet. Okay. Well, it's very interesting. I grew up in the eighties and nineties. So a lot of our food was microwavable, you know, lean cuisine and hot pockets and lean box. I just, that was my normal to have things come out of a box and be put in the microwave. Mm -hmm. Did my mom cook a little bit? Sure. But I was a latchkey kid. Both my parents worked. I was home from school a lot and I had to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And so getting out of the house, growing up and having my you know own apartment, it was just normal for me to grocery shop and kind of mimic that way of life. But the interesting thing was growing up like that and eating like that, I still grew up in um, an environment where my parents kind of was allowed me to try anything and everything when it came to sports and movement. So that was also normal. It was just a really interesting way when you become your own provider and you have to take care of yourself and pay your own bills, mm -hmm. you know, what goes to the wayside and what doesn't. So luckily I was always kind of interested in movement and knew pretty early on that I was going to make a career in that. I just didn't know that it would take me like all the way here. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. And so were you like, how was your physique growing up, you know, eating that type of diet? Like I, I remember like fast food was it back then, you know, <laughs> microwave. It was like whatever, whatever food was fast and effortless is what we focused on. You know, that's what we love. <laughs> so, right. so how was it for you growing up? Like as far as your physique and things like that? Well, let me start by saying that what I thought then was like my complete and utter like worst body, my fattest body, you know, to look back on photos and, and, and memories now, I mean, it just, it wasn't. And, but because I was always inundated with, you have to look a certain way 
that I thought that every um, size that I was was probably the worst. And I'm just, again, this is, I, I love to preface this. It's not a put down. It's an acceptance of my body and my body type. I just was not born with that gift that you can, I, of natural thinness as some people are. Mm -hmm. So when I don't move my body is when I think I run into a place where I'm not comfortable in my own skin. I don't think that, I, I know now that food is not the only culprit when you're gaining weight or you're not feeling your best, right? I mean, does mm -hmm. it play a part? Of course it does, but is it the only reason that people are not healthy and not feeling good? No, you, there's so many other things that I realize now and that I've learned that play a part in that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that my evolution of learning how to trust my body and listen to my body and understand my body, even though I'm not in the smallest body that I have been in the past, but I still feel healthy. I feel strong and I feel really good. So, so much, so much to unpack here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I definitely understand that because there's like people that say, you know, you like, especially as a man, you know, if a man is, is deemed to be fit, he has to have a six pack. And we all know that's one of the hardest things for almost anybody on the planet to achieve is to show, you know, muscles in your stomach and have a lower body fat percentage because body fat is essential for us to be able to thrive you know like we need it like you look at some athletes professional athletes they still have a level of body fat on them and they're not chiseled like say the guy in the gym or the bodybuilder you know what i mean so uh -huh. it's, it's a pretty interesting take so you know so what have you <clears throat> so like say what was the start of you being able to like accept yourself or who you were you know, your body type, like what made you say, you know what, I'm gonna love myself as I am. You know, when did that start a, for you? Go ahead. No, so sorry. It was a very uh, important part of my life. I was turning 40. I had actually turned 40, size zero, finally achieved that perfect body of what I thought it was my perfect body. Mm -hmm. And I was miserable. I was unhappy. I was completely still had no idea who the hell Rachel was, what I was put here on this earth to be doing. And I was like, okay, I spent 40 years in this body being miserable and I cannot do that anymore. I want to be happy. I want to enjoy the rest of my life. I'm not, it just, it didn't seem important anymore, but I did understand at that moment that I had to heal from whatever was going on in those 40 previous years. I had to get in touch with what did I like to do? What did I want to do with my time? And how did I want to spend that time serving others? So I just really kind of isolated myself for a while and dug deep and kind of healed from all those traumas and and started doing things by myself and, and figuring out what does Rachel like to do and how do what do I how do I want to be moving forward? And part of that was I don't want to say I can't eat that anymore. I don't want to think about 
the things that are going, you know, into my diet every single minute of the day. I don't want to think about the size of my body every day. So I really had to kind of get to the point of understanding what foods work best for my body, what type of exercise worked best for my body, and really how I talked to myself and about myself. I didn't realize at that time how mean and nasty I was being to myself and how when you really kind of don't pay attention to those things, how it makes those things actually real Mm -hmm. and the way that other people treat you. It just, you, you accept those things and you don't need to. And so a part of my message is you really have to heal your relationship with yourself. That is the most valuable one you'll ever have. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's interesting because, you know, I would say for people that do want to indulge in different foods like ice cream or whatever, I would say, okay, just think about the portions that you're eating. As long as you're eating a small portion, it should be okay. You could enjoy that food. You know, you don't have to, you know, uh, put yourself in a state of lack in order to, you know, fulfill a certain type of goal, you know? I I hear you. I hear you. But I think that we have put so much pressure on ourselves that we can never enjoy those types of foods. And I think that the one interesting part of my evolution as an eater was I had so many lit foods on my naughty list. Like I can never eat this again. And when I stopped doing that, when I stopped restricting and putting so much stock in the idea of a bad food, I stopped binging and I really stopped feeling like I needed to sneak those foods or I would sit down and eat a whole thing of ice cream or a whole thing. And now it's just like when I crave something, I eat it and I'm done with it. And it it really is such a game changer that I think so many people have this fear. Oh my God, if I, if I allow myself to eat it once, I'm never going to stop. Or if I allow myself to put it in the house, I'll eat the whole thing. Right. And that's probably true in the beginning because you've denied yourself for so long. Mm-hmm. But once a food just becomes a food, it really does take a lot of that stress off of you and that particular food. I believe that. I really do. Hmm. And so as a trainer, are, are you still training people now? I am. am so, yes. So how would you go about a client that's like, would you still give them the same plan? Like say, Hey, I want to drop body fat. I want to be chiseled. I want to look like this. What would you suggest to someone like that, that wants those results? Would you do the same thing or go ahead? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off. I, no, I, I, I don't take on clients like that anymore because it's just not, who I am anymore. And Mm -hmm. if you don't want to get to the bottom of why you feel this way about yourself and you don't want to put the work there as well as physically, then I'm not the trainer for you. But Mm -hmm. when my current clients have moments or they're feeling like they want to lose some weight, I, I, I can, I can support them and I can say, Hey, you have to try this for yourself. 
I am not going to suggest any kinds of food. I mean, I'm not a nutritionist, so I I shouldn't really be doing that anyways, Mm -hmm. but I am happy to talk through why you feel like we need to take your calories back or cut out a certain food or, you know, let's have a conversation about why instead of before, if a client would do, especially a female client, okay, I'm going to cut out this, this, and this. I would totally encourage that because that's, All I knew then was to say, oh, yeah, the only way to drop fat is to stop eating this and that. Right. Mm -hmm. So now it's just like, okay, well, something else is going on with your body. Maybe you're not nourishing it enough. Maybe there's something going on that only a doctor can look on the inside of your body to figure out. It may not actually be food. So it's important to understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually ended up uh, stumbling across that. It's like some some people have inflammation issues and that causes them to gain weight and fat. And that could be more so internal. Like for me, it's wheat and dairy. Like I stopped wheat and dairy and I dropped a whole bunch of water weight, you know, but I feel like I personally have inflammation issues because I'm allergic to, you know, certain things. So I'm like, okay, if I eat certain things and I'll flare up, maybe I need to cut out certain allergen foods to help me, you know, stop flaring up and stop my inflammation. And so once I did that, everything started to change, even though I'm a big fan of dairy. Like I love cheese. It was so hard to eat a hamburger with no cheese, but you know, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was pretty good. But then I, I often tell people that like, it's not a one size fits all when it comes to fitness, you know, like some people are going to have big legs. Some people are going to be, you know, a little chunky. Like there's a guy I'm not going to say his name, but he is clearly overweight, right? But he does some of the hardest intense workouts. Like, like he breezes through it like he's a, a fitness model, you know? <laughs> and I'm just surprised. I'm like, how does he do this? You know, I'll, I'll see him at a race. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing another one tonight. And I'm like, wow, the average person, you know, which is, you know, but which may be deemed fit because they're low body fat or they're skinny or whatever, they really aren't because they probably can't do certain physical activities, you know, like the looks really aren't everything. Right. That's what I started to notice. It's like some people are just naturally big and they just, you know, I don't know. Some people I'm just like, man, if you lost weight, you'll probably look funny. You know, like it's probably not for (laughs) you, Like you probably have to do a lot of different things to cut down. But when you're naturally yourself, you're at like your peak performance, you know? I do. I I agree with that. I but I think the the beauty in what you're saying, the message really is we come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. And the only way that people can tell if you're healthy or not is to be able to look on the inside of you. So, mm. you know, we have to stop equating health with small yeah. because that just is not true. It never was true, but mm. it really isn't true anymore. Oh, yeah, not at all. Like I have a, a cousin who's the fit you know he looks like the fittest person six pack all of that right his appendix bursted and i was i was surprised like he almost died you Mm -hmm. know but that's an internal health problem you know but Mm -hmm. if you look at you know him and me you'll be like oh yeah he's way healthier than you you know but then I, i also learned that genetics body types you know all of that matters when it comes to your physique and who you are yeah agreed yeah Yeah. okay so 
what are some of the things that you see in people that like that makes it hard for them to love their body and who they are? Uh, what do you typically come across? Well, there's so many answers to that question, but in a nutshell, it's how you believe and how you see yourself, or uh, do you have somebody in your life that is constantly telling you how much you need to be better? And I think that because, and, and the interesting part of that is you can hear something repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And of course it affects you. But mm -hmm. it's also such a traumatic thing that you can hear something one time, one time somebody says you have thick thighs and yeah. oh my God, that becomes your truth. And you do everything you can to make your thighs smaller, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it really boils down to, like I said earlier, how do we speak to ourselves? Do we wake up every morning and go, thank you, God, my for this gift that is my body or do we wake up every morning and go you've got the fattest ugliest legs i've ever seen in my life like how, i mean and if you say that to yourself every single morning yeah. what what do you think you're going to believe about yourself and mm -hmm. then all your actions are going to go towards you know trying to trying to fix your body but i also think with you know, in this day and age, we've got social media. We've still got the old school, like when you and I are growing up and it's already friggin' starting. Oh my God, January is around the corner. You better get your butt in the gym, you know? And right. it's like, can we please just leave people alone? Right. I think that the pressure to be this thing and that thing is if you're thin, you're happy. If you're thin, you're beautiful. If you're thin, you're accepted. Mm -hmm. When instead it's like, are you a good person? <laughs> Do you take right. care of yourself? Do you take care of your family? Like, doesn't that make you beautiful and a good person and all those things? So I just think that in our society in the past 40 years, like it's just, it's completely aesthetic driven. And unfortunately the health, fitness and beauty industry is like $90 billion strong. So it's in our face every single minute of every single day. And we just have to make a choice. Hey, I'm going to take care of my body to the best of my ability and I'm going to be happy. And that that's it. That's it. Yeah. And I feel like it's all driven off of physical attraction, which also, you know, it kind of, I say me growing up, I was always attracted to thick women. Like I, like anybody knows me, like if they see a girl, like, okay, yeah, that's, that's his type. But then somebody else might look at that same woman and be like, nah, she's too big or nah, this, no, nah, that. And then I was like, wow. Then I ended up learning that physical attraction is different to each and every individual. Because what you may like, somebody else might be like, oh, that's disgusting. Or, oh, that person's too skinny. Or, ew, I don't like girls with muscles or this or that. And so what I need to notice is just like, wow, it's like there's somebody out there for everybody. You know, everybody's not going to like, you know, one thing, but that's what they present to us. It's like, no, if you want a man, you want him to look like this. If you want a woman, you want him to look like this. But then when you talk to each and individual person, they may not like it because mm -hmm. I have, you know, I have friends. I was like, wow, you're getting too buff. And I was like, too buff. Seriously? <laughs> like, I'm not, you know, like I thought that, you know, but I thought that was like a, a good thing. But then there's some people that don't necessarily like that. You know, so a question to you, I'm not sure if you're married or single or what, what it is, 
But when it came to you accepting yourself for who you are, how was it like externally in the world when it came to people being attracted to you versus like when you were a size zero? Mm. That is a very interesting question. And the best way for me to answer that is because I didn't accept myself, what I would accept in another person was so minimal Mm -hmm. that I never really learned how to have a healthy relationship. And when I went through this kind of at 40 years old, figuring out what Rachel, who she was, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I stopped dating for a year and I was just like, you know what? I cannot keep repeating these behaviors. I obviously want to be in a loving, healthy relationship, but I have no idea what that looks like. And I had to almost exactly what you're saying, kind of throw out what I thought my perfect partner was going to look like. What does my My man has to be this, this, and this. And I was like, you know what? I don't even give a shit. I want this person to treat me with kindness and love and be there through thick and thin. And Mm -hmm. I think when I put that out in the universe, that universe responded. And my boyfriend that I have been with now for 10 years, I mean, we are in every sense of the word, each other's partner, in every sense of the word, each other's best friend. And we love each other. And we also understand that we're both going to go through evolutions of who we are, even as we get older. Mm -hmm. So I I think that because I was so focused on just finding a human being to love and accept me, that I had no idea what being, you know, married or being in a long-term relationship was like, and what the kind of work it takes to be with another person. So the fact that I freed up so much of my mental space that I don't think about myself and my body 24 seven, I can actually be a good partner. And that's what was lacking before. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful gift that I have been able to give myself. And I do, I do appreciate that. So speaking of (laughs) you, you thinking about yourself, um, you know, every day when you were that size zero, can you go over a day to help, you know, listeners understand that, like, how was your days when you were a size zero? I I, I know how intricate it is, but then I just want people to understand, like, how much dedication and how much time and effort that you put into that, that took away from a lot of other things that you, you know, may enjoy in life. Of course. I mean, every morning was, I woke up and I would prolong my eating as much as I could because I knew I only got to have three meals and a snack every day. Mm -hmm. So my day being a personal trainer in New York City, I started at 6am every Monday through Saturday. So I had to get up and do as much as I could to throughout my day before I ate something. And then I could finally eat and I could have to count out my berries and count out my cereal and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I would work a couple more hours. And by the way, my stomach was always, always growling. Okay. Always. (laughs) And, um, you know, drinking water to, to ease that. 
Mm-hmm. And then I would have lunch, which would be a salad with chicken, which was my favorite meal of the day because it actually felt like real food. Mm-hmm. And then my snack would consist of like almonds that I had to count out. I think I was allowed 13. Mm-hmm. And then I would have dinner, which was a chicken thigh with greens. And then I would go to bed and my day would start all over. Oh, I just was always thinking about the food when the next friggin' time I could eat. <laughs> and <clears throat> I was working out twice a day. Mm. And so anytime something social would come up, I would have to literally weigh the pros and cons. Well, let's see. Does that mean I have to go out to dinner? Oh my God. That means I have to, you know, figure out what's on the menu mm-hmm. and I can't eat that or I can eat that, but I have to make all these concessions and then I have to make sure I'm home by the, I mean, it was just always, always going through my head. It was so exhausting. So exhausting. Yeah. It sounds like it. Like I remember someone was like, here's a meal plan. I was like, bro, I'm not about to do all this. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is, like it is just way too much work and effort. It's like to eat six meals and do this portion and make sure it's 30 grams of protein and this and this. I was like, man, come on. You know, like I'm not preparing for a show. I'm not a professional, but I'm not about to do all this. It's, it's just too much. And I feel like that is one thing that drives people to quit because of, it's like, it's not realistic for a human in today's society's lifestyle that's not getting paid for it. You know, like there's a lot of people that, you know, they, they end up coming down and then like after two years, poof, they're back up because yeah. it's like, it really wore them out, you know? Yeah. And I see that time and time again. It's like, you know, one of my friends was a fitness instructor. Well, she did online fitness. And I look at her now and I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like, what happened to you? Like, you just blew up, you know? But then it was like, it was it was too much pressure. It wasn't conducive to that person's lifestyle, you know, or who they well, really are. Yeah. And plus, I mean, long story short, the truth is, that when we do do those very restrictive diets, we're not getting enough nutrients anyways. Mm. And so your body is in starvation mode and starvation mode. So even like your friend who decided to stop restricting her body responded with a whole bunch of weight gain. I mean, once she kind of like regulates, I'm sure she will lose some of that and her body will, but restrict, dieting is ruining your metabolism it's messing with all of your but your body's signals and your body doesn't know what to do because it's always in starvation mode so that's why i do tell people all the time every single every single diet in the world works in the beginning Mm -hmm. until it doesn't Mm -hmm. and that is why the the if you even want to say failure rate to dieting is a hundred percent because people always gain the weight back, if not more, because your body has been in starvation mode for however long you've been on this diet. Diets are ruining your, our, as humans, our health. Hmm. That's interesting to say, because a lot of, now I was, uh, Paul Saladino, which is a doctor. Um, he's on social media, YouTube and all that. And he was a big fan of, um, of intermittent fasting and then now (laughs) right now he's like you know i was wrong about that the body does its best when it's in abundance 
you know, and it was like instead of drinking the bulletproof coffee or the uh, the coffee with, you know, the ghee or whatever to try to increase. It was like all of that, <laughs> right. All of that was a lie. You know, it was like, nah, man, you need to eat food like your body needs it. your body needs minerals. And then especially depending on your body type, because if you're active and you're working out, your body is, is breaking down and need minerals and proteins and fats and carbs to build back up. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like it's crazy because in the fitness industry, they'll say, okay, um, only do 2000 calories a day, but then it's like, what about the calories that I'm burning while I'm working out? And so these people end up shrinking, they you know, they have no body fat, they're chiseled, but it's like they look like that because their body is in starvation, like you said, you know, and it's a very or they are naturally born that way and they're just able to to exhibit their muscle mass because that's the way that's their genetics. I don't think people take that in consideration. Mm. You know, you can, you can work out 24 hours a day and still never look like that because your body just wasn't designed that way. Mm. That's it. That's interesting. Cause often, often feel that way too, you know, cause I look at it, I'm like, man, my grandfather was big, natural. He didn't even have to work out. He was just a big guy. You know, my dad, the same build. I got the same build as my dad. My brothers have the same build. But then it's like I look at a different family member that didn't come from the the line of men that I come from, and they're totally different. You know, Mm -hmm. like a cousin, like, wow, what? It's like, that's your It's like, yeah, but that person has a whole different genetic line than what I have you know what I mean so it's different even though you guys could eat the same foods you guys could eat the same amounts of foods it's still gonna affect you and that person differently and I I really you know I, I'll often talk about this when I'm on uh when I have guests on the show that are into fitness I really just wish that the fitness industry would tell the truth behind that you know because mm-hmm. it's like Oh, you could look like this, or you could look like, you know, uh, you know, Charlie Theron or whatever. If you take this diet and you work out, it's just like, no, some people can never look like that ever. Right. And if they, and some people that do, you know, that's when the pets come in, the performance enhancing drugs, you know, like they're doing that to look like this, but you're manipulating people to make it seem like it's your hard work, diet and dedication. And that's yeah. something that I, I just can't stand because maybe I can't stand it because I fell for it for so many years. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe I could look like this guy and I would go. Now I went to NutriShop one time and I was like looking at a picture of a, a, a bodybuilder and I was like, man, it'll be cool to look like that. And the guy was like, bro, yeah, what? Like, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> then I did the body fat percentage and I was 15%. And he was like, you're fine. You know, that's that's actually perfect. And I'm like, but they say you want to be under 10. He's like, man, that's that's BS. That's bullcrap. Like, it's not really true. You're fine where you're at. You know, as long as you're not like 40 or something like that, you're you're okay. You know, but then it, it shook me up because I was just like, wow, I was believing this narrative. And this narrative was sold to me for so long just so I could be able to purchase, you know, whatever products that these people were selling. Right. And I feel like Which a lot of a lot of chemicals. <laughs> yeah and the, and the majority of the time the main ingredient in all of this is caffeine right every single time 
like build okay. your energy up, energy, energy, energy. It's, yeah. it's caffeine and a bunch of junk vitamins. Yep. And I'm just like, wow. And then once I discovered that, I was just like, wow, this is a, a cold manipulation. But like you said, that's why it's a $9 billion industry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, they, whoever it does the marketing for diets is a genius, right? We all fell for the before and after pictures. And then I'm sure you as a trainer, because I know I did it as a trainer, I started doing that crap with my clients. Mm -hmm. And then I realized this is just another way to shame people into feeling like they're not good enough. And I just cold turkey, I stopped that. And I just think that it's so funny because those before and after pictures are literally taken on the same day. You know, the person is like, pushing out their stomach as much as they can the lighting and then the next picture like they have all the self tanner on and the angle is perfect but it's like that picture was taken the same day fyi (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah that could i mean that could happen but then all it's also the times of the day like if i fast like if i took a picture with my shirt off outside in the sun and i haven't ate all day i will look totally different than me taking a picture with my shirt off eating three times three meals and you know after dinner you know what i mean so but then like you said it's the lighting it's what type of light you know it's it's the shade and it's just like and you know one time i took a picture of myself outside and i couldn't believe that i looked like that you know but it was like the light the sunlight and the shading just had me looking ripped but then when i go (laughs) you know because you're you're also sweating a little bit you know and i was just like what I was just so surprised. I know. Very surprised. And then I go in the bathroom where the lighting is a little different. And I'm like, ugh, I need to, I, know, I got yeah, never, never look at yourself in the bathroom light. It's terrible. Yeah, it's always <laughs> terrible. But that's what, that's what I was doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this, you know, it's all a, it's all smoke and mirrors to me. So with all of this being said, what is your message? You know, like some takeaways from your book the donut yeah. diaries that'll, you know, you know, don't give away all of the gems. You know, we do want people to read the book, but what mm-hmm. are some takeaways that you will say will resonate with people when it comes to self-love and loving themselves and who they are? Well, I would just like to say that I'm sharing my story with you in hopes to inspire you. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the gist of my book. And what I, what I would love to share with your listeners today is that if you've gone through this for a long period of time or most of your life, like I did, or you're still going through it and you really want to be free of all of this stuff, mm-hmm. then you have to be open to the fact that you have to start from the beginning. For me, I figured out when I was 11 years old, I realized that my body was different. And that's when it became a focal point for me at 11 and I'm 52 you know what I mean so that is a long time to feel a certain way about yourself and if you can kind of sit in that and get back to the beginning of how you started to think about your body and formulate your opinions and how you treated your body you can heal yeah and you can have a good relationship with your body but you got to be willing to do the work I wish it was a light switch I wish it could just be like, oh, I want to love myself now. And then it happened, but it doesn't work like that. 
because that's another way of tried and failed so many times because mm -hmm. you didn't really get to the bottom of why you feel this way. Hmm. Has a lot of unprogram, uh, deprogramming, unlearning, you know, stuff like that. So you gave yourself a year to sit with yourself to figure all of this out, right? Yeah. And I didn't do it alone. I had an amazing therapist. I read some amazing books. I mm -hmm. did all the things I journaled, but that's what helped me because I had been suppressing all these feelings for so long mm -hmm. that I needed to spend as much time kind of finding myself as I did losing myself. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was like that year for me was a very special, special year. And I wouldn't change it for anything. Wow. And so were you like, I'm not going now. I'm cutting some people out of my life. I'm not going to the gym. Or how how was it for you? Like what what was the actual change? Well, it's interesting you say that because I think that's the people's normal reaction. But I didn't I didn't want to put any stipulations on how I was gonna grow. I just I I just opened my heart and I was just like, whatever I need at this moment, just bring mm -hmm. it. And I found myself just kind of being open to every day. And were there days where like I was in a ball on my floor of my apartment in New York City crying? Yeah. Were there days where I just couldn't wait to just like see the world? Yeah. So it was definitely a lot of experiences. But I think the one thing that I found that I had never had in those 40 years was a sense of peace. And for someone who grew up in a very chaotic household and just chaos was my norm to have a day where just like things were peaceful. I was like, Whoa, <laughs> 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 you know, I liked yeah. it. So, yeah. 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 I can definitely, I feel like a lot of people are addicted to um, emotional trauma, you know, and chaos and chaos. Cause it's like, once it's gone, it's like, whoa, how do I operate? You know, so I definitely understand that. And it's, it's the same with me. Like I grew up with a lot of negativity and expectations for negativity. And I had to like really adjust myself to get out of that. You know, it's like cut, cut certain things out, cold turkey, you know, change the conversation, change how I speak about myself, change what I think about myself and change my internal dialogue, you know, and it's a, it's definitely a lot of work, you know? Yeah. And I love the way the universe like tests you every once in a while, like bring some crazy person into your life. You're like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, but you get to choose, right? You're like, okay, am I going to get sucked back in? Or am I just going to say, no, thank you. Like I, I, that is, I think it's also true. Like when something or someone happens and it, it's just like a reminder. Okay. Maybe there's a little bit that still is like needed to be healed. So I just oh, yeah. try to take every situation like as a learning experience and some are harder than others, but mm -hmm. I think also too, and it sounds like you've done a lot of work that you just have to understand that our lives are spent learning about who we are and how to be the best version of ourselves. And that's never going to stop. Right. Right. That's a continuous journey. Like I, sometimes when I think I got it, something else happens. Like, nah, you ain't got it all yet. You know, well, no. <laughs> right. But then it's just like, I'm more so at peace with where I am. And it's like, whatever comes my way, I'm going to just embrace it and just keep growing. But then also notice that sometimes it's okay to stop and 
you know, uh, practice what you've learned, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I was in, you know, sometimes I just get in a, a learning phase where I'm like, okay, learn this, learn this, learn this, learn this without ever applying, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, now I'm like, okay, learn it, pause, apply, soak it in, see if it's for you. Okay, keep going. Yeah, I love that. And uh, there's also, it's totally okay to be like, I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> like, right. it's okay to like walk away and not have to relive something. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I feel shamed or, you know, don't sabotage yourself for feeling that way. Like, it's okay. Like if somebody asks you, Hey man, what happened with, uh, with this or that? Just be like, yeah, man, I just figured out it wasn't for me, but at least I tried and I don't have any regrets because I actually tried, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Rachel, man, this has been a great conversation. Um, I feel like this will touch a massive amount of people because a lot of people are very hard on themselves because they don't have the ideal body type or, you know, things like that. Like even with me, you know, going and checking my BMI, I'm overweight, you know, but it's like I'm overweight compared to whom, you know, like who did you come like what? body type did you come up with this conclusion for you know what i'm saying because if you look at me i'm nowhere near overweight my weight is just distributed differently differently throughout my body and i have muscle you know so it's just like it's easy for us to uh to be hard on ourselves and not have self-love which is something very important to me like i tell people if you don't love yourself there's no way you could treat other people um, in a in a great way you know it's like you might not even find love you might not even find that partner because you really do not love who you are and just because you look good and you dress good and you do certain things that does not necessarily mean that you love yourself and it's mm-hmm. very interesting because I, I was very captivated with your, with your stories because it's like you're a trainer and I also talked to another trainer about this too and you know, you guys just like have to be at this standard, you know, it's like, you have to look like this, you have to work very hard, you have to train clients, and you have to be an example. And then it just seems like there's a point in time where it's like, man, I am worn the fuck out. Like, I cannot take this anymore. It's too much stress on my body. Because I also talked to another trainer with a similar story to yours, where it's like, she just gave it up. You know, mm. like, I'm I'm tired. <laughs> Like yeah. I'm putting way too much pressure and expectations on myself. So, you know, actually learning from somebody that has dedicated their life to it and then notice that like, hey, man, look, I, you know, the restrictive dieting, the stress and all of that is not for me. And now I'm just going to love myself for who I am. You know, that's very mm-hmm. interesting to me. And I, and I absolutely love it. You know, I love it because I'm into okay. fitness, too. And I. You know, I definitely know the pressure that people put themselves through. Yeah. One little final nugget I'll leave you and your listeners with is to embrace and accept that we have been lied to about our bodies and our food and the way we're supposed to look our entire lives. And it's really our time to kind of take that power back and say, you know what? I am my own person. I look this way. I'm happy in my own skin. And Mm -hmm. I'm done with this. I'm done with feeling like I have to live up to somebody. I don't even know's expectation of me. (laughs) Yeah. And what, you know, one thing that they used to say 
is that somebody like it. <laughs> like you talking all that, but somebody like it, you know, my man, like, you know what I'm saying? That was one thing that women used to always say that'll like help boost them up when someone was to say something about how they look or this or that, you know, it's like somebody likes it. And I feel like that's, that's very true. Somebody out there is going to love you as long as you love you for who you are. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so Rachel, tell people where they can find you, your website, Instagram, things like that. Yes, please find me Rachel Lavin wellness. My book, the donut diaries is on Amazon, but you can find it through my website too, but Rachel Lavin wellness and please, please, please reach out. I don't even care if you don't want to work with me, but if you want to talk, if you have a question, if you just want to hear more about my story and share your story with me, I'm always open to talking to people. I, I really am hoping to kind of demystify and debunk all this stuff. So I'm always open to having conversations. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. And I apologize. I said Rachel Devine, but it's Rachel Lavin. Excuse um, me. <laughs> Yeah, it's not an E at the end. My bad. Okay. okay. All right. So again, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. You know, um, keep being great. Keep sharing the message because I know that, you know, this is going to resonate with the world one day and we're headed towards like a, a positive direction as long as we actually learn from somebody that lived the life. And now it's kind of like a, a whistleblower to the industry and, you know, spreading <laughs> the truth. You know, it's like, no, this is the truth. And I, I could really appreciate that because a lot of a, a lot of fitness instructors, they want to keep, you know, that lie because it could benefit them, you know, but I, I love how you're like, you know what? No, I'm going to do the right thing. And being a stand up woman, you know, I, I could really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that. And I really appreciate you giving me a platform to share my message. So thank you so much. Oh, uh, no, no problem. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you.